Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and your continuing exploration of faith during this time of crisis. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent and I am joined as always by Father Rodney Whiteman, the rector of our parish. Father Rodney, how are you doing during this deepening crisis? Firstly, I need to ask you about what's happening with Christmas and Christmas Eve church. Um, yeah, with the deepening pandemic, uh, my wife and I were thinking of going on Christmas Eve, uh, the three o'clock that you said there was for the children, um, but we will be abstaining from that now. Um, so w- w- what's happening on Christmas weekend? Good afternoon, Lindsay, and good afternoon to all our listeners and those who tuned in. We're grateful that you're with us today as we prepare for the fourth Sunday of Advent. As Lindsay had said, we are aware of the deepening um crisis around COVID-19 and its effects on the church. Uh, Some churches of other denominations apparently have closed. We will still be having church, but everything will have, the churches will have to be four, nine o'clock. So therefore the services need to end either with the full hour from half past seven to half past eight, or for 45 minutes. So it will be a very reduced service, which we hope you we will be able to also live stream to you you um, at, at home. Um, this also tomorrow, our two services, in which we have the second one of baptism. And just to say that it's also Dedication Sunday, unusual Dedication Sunday, where we are asking if you're able to return your dedication slips to us, even if you scan them in and send them to the church's email address, at least we'll have a record. Um, And we ask God to bless your rededication of yourself. And tomorrow, those who come to church will have the opportunity of putting them into uh, some holder that will be brought to the altar. Now, on on Christmas Eve, our service will be at three o'clock in the afternoon, and it will run for an hour, and then at 7.30, and it will run for an hour plus minus, because we need to ensure that people get home before nine o'clock. On Christmas morning, it will be at eight o'clock, one service. And then, Lindsay, um, although the bishop has given her permission for churches to not have work, on the 27th and the 3rd of January um, and that the, the diocese are asking the churches only to open up for worship on the 10th of January and that leading up to the end of January, no weekday services. Uh, this is all uh, ways of limiting gathering so that we don't um, further give the virus a chance to um, go from one person to the next. Um, so we are limited to a hundred persons, and we are encouraging you, if you if you're able to come, that you phone in and um, book your seat, and so that we are able to um, know that we have a congregation, and that at least a hundred people will be able to attend, plus those who will be. Um, seeing it on live stream and being part of it in that way. Now, um, 
it's 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 very difficult uh, planning a service for that length of time uh, because it's all, all our services are eucharistic services mm. so we needing to find some way to put a cap on these things so that we can have worship but um, also uh, be within the covid uh, protocols um, so mm. i ask for your prayers i can tell you that this week and last week has been as there's evidence that the surge of the virus is very real um, unlike previous months from March uh, um, un under the other more stringent levels of, of, of the lockdown this last two weeks have shown a sharp increase in people have infected in our own parish Mm. We've sadly had to lay to rest two of our brothers, um, uh, young 60-year-olds um, who died of the COVID-related illnesses in hospital. And um, there are families who's, been, who's called me to ask for prayers because they themselves have been infected and one of their loved ones are in. So we continue to let us know if you are infected so we can pray with you. We may not be able to visit with you, um, but we certainly can pray with you. And if both of us have enough data, we are able to then even video call you or audio call you. So uh, we appeal to you to be safe, um, to make sure that you keep your Sam family safe. Because uh, right now we also hearing from the scientist, Lindsay, and from government that uh, um, new variants have popped yeah. up in some of the yeah. cases um, and that 15 years to 19 year olds are now also in danger of contracting this illness and we heard from uh, Angie the education uh, minister that over 700 children have been infected um, mm. school children mm. so this thing has taken its toll and really we are appealing to everybody, rather limit the gatherings over Christmas um, than force it because you're only going to cause yourself and others a deeper injury. So we're really appealing to you uh, for this. Let us be creative on how to be Christian and how to be human on how to be members of the church through the mediums that are given to us, uh, we can still have a sense of gatheredness uh, in God. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be tuning in for the live stream on, on Christmas Eve um, in, in abstentia. Uh, but yeah, you've extracted the theme, God fill our mouths with songs of praise. And I reflected on these words and the gospel deals with um, Angel Gabriel's visit to Mary and announcing that she will become pregnant with he who would then be called Jesus. Um, and it's like there was just a question in my mind about like how can our mouths be filled with songs of praise and then not be able to sing in the church and then what what kind of Christmas is this? Like, everything, like, Easter was tough, <laughs> right? 
Um, like, I, I mean, I grew up, like I've been Anglican my entire life. My mother used to walk me to church. So like there's just things that you do at certain times of year. Like at Easter, you do the three-hour devotion, you do the service of light, all those things. And on Christmas, you do the Christmas Eve midnight mass. Um, my family, my family, um, we do Christmas Eve dinner as well. So then we always have the dinner done. You try and wash up as quick as possible while you're getting dressed. And then you go to church and then you come home and you open some presents and have some eggnog. That cannot happen this year. So then the thinking about Christmas then focuses on what it really is important. And the song that I've chosen is What, what Child, Child Is This? Is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sing, while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds God and angels sing. Haste, haste to him, to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. So, Father, can you contextualize this odd experience of Christmas during this weird moment in humanity? I think um, all, all, all contexts that we are in, every part of our journey calls for prayerful creativity, for imagination, on how mm. we can extend doing things in the usual way. What do we have to discover in order to make the connections and also be open to new connections we have to make. And so it's a time maybe for reinterpretation, reevaluation. So, for example, as soon as you spoke about uh, what, what kind of child is this, mm. that question is explored by, in the hymn by the presence of others. Mary, and she offers a lap to a child sleeping. So... What kind of child is this? A child who rests at the mother's, on the mother's lap. Mm. Um, what, what is the season of Christmas to be for us? Celebrations and parting for most people. But how about the Sabbath rest as well? A mm. uh, rest also in the confines of family. Um, the intimacy that, that families have been missing, a mother to child, um, husbands and wives, um, re-establishing the sense of family, that intimacy that uh, comes, that follows us from the, from the, from, we can rediscover family. Uh, secondly, uh, if I have it correctly, we have the, 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 the shepherds, and they're not singing. They're watching. So would watching also be a form of singing? Of being filled with, with praise? Just watching and observing and, and learning and, and taking in and being moved by what we see and what we hear. Mm -hmm. 
the songs that were sung was in heaven, the angels. Mm. So while earth cannot sing, angels continue to sing. We, in the Eucharistic sense of, 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 of celebration and worship, um, we hear those words. And now with angels and archangels and with a whole company of heaven, let us continue to sing holy, holy, holy. So there's a time when we perhaps are called not to sing mm. because the angels sing for us. They are constantly singing. We will join them. But sometimes the, the celebration has to be a dirge for all along, all alongside us, people are getting infected. People are dying. People are losing their jobs. People are, um, are desperate without food. Violence steps up, unfortunately, when these things drive us to despair. It's a season when um, when suicides become high, um, some children are faced with the prospect of not having passed their grade. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. So the, for me in the text, it's our sense of asking God to fill our empty lives. Our mouths give expression of lives being filled with, what, with God and with the things of God, so that at some point we are, so in a way we, are, we may be in rehearsal for mm. the praise song to be sung. Um, you, I didn't want to touch on this now, but the angel's greeting to Mary didn't immediately bring the Magnificat cat to her mind. Mm. She was perplexed, the text says. So we are caught in a state of perplexity, but with the gratitude that the angels around the throne of God, God's messages to us, messengers to us, they've not stopped singing. Mm. Um, and they sing on our behalf and we will join them. And so now is the time to listen to what that new tune is as we rest on the lap of our Lord as we rest in the, the knowledge of being family again and being restored in family and, and also of being able to be watchful like the shepherds were. So that, what, what, what would this child be? Who is really this child? Well, sometimes he calls us to rest. Sometimes he calls us to watch. And inevitably he will call us to sing. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, that was a that was a nice little <laughs> little bubble that 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 you put that in. Um, and then, if you could please call the minds to prayer with the collective prayer, and I will catch up with you after that with the first reading. My sisters and brothers, the Lord, whose faithfulness is as firm as the heavens, is with you. May all of our places, whether it's at home or in the church today. Be the place where the presence of God is 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 definitely and light a candle, uh, recognizing this is the fourth Sunday of of Advent as we prepare for our Lord's the celebration of our Lord's coming for us in the incarnation at Christmas. If you have your pew leaflets with you, having extracted them from the Facebook. 
book of page of the church let us pray god of elizabeth and mary make our hearts leap with joy fill our mouths with songs of praise and make us ready to welcome the christ in our midst who is alive and reigns with you and the holy spirit one god in glory everlasting amen Father, our first reading is Romans 16, verses 25 to 27. So, a little bit of context. Obviously, Romans was written before Paul went to Rome. So, yeah. he, was, he was evangelizing all along the Aegean Sea, um, focusing more like on the Greek kind of territories, like doing a little bit of Egypt and all of that. And then... He announced himself to the Romans and told them why he was coming there on his way to Spain. Um, so it's a lot of him kind of evangelizing before he even got there. So he's very outspoken about his love for the gospel that he's preaching. And then this one, I mean, he kind of reaches his crescendo <laughs> where he's like, let us give glory to God. He is able to make you stand firm in your, your faith according to the good news I preach about Jesus Christ and according to the revelation of the secret truth which has hidden for long ages in the past. So he's speaking to a community, a Jewish community at this point. They have not fully converted to Christianity yet, but they were kind of open to the idea. So... With that historical context, um, what is the message that we can that people can extract now? I think at a time when you are really battling with your faith, and remember your um, theme of this podcast throughout this time has been an exploration of faith. Mm -hmm. And here Paul says that in spite of what we are going through, we must never cease to give God the glory. Mm. Why? And he gives us reasons. God is able to make us stand firm in faith. And he attaches the way he does that according to the good news preached about Jesus. So no matter what is going to um seem to make us feel unstable mm. if we are able to be to be um, entrenched in our, in faith by seeking to give god glory with who with who we are by praising god by thanking god by worshiping god and we can stand in the day of trouble and trial and so he's encouraging them, keeping in, in mind that when he says he's able to make you stand firm in your faith, there may have been reports of people in their Christian walk feeling very shaky. How are they meant to deal with issues? Mm. Well, you can deal with issues once you learn how to give glory to God. Once you praise God, there will be form there will be an enlighten, enlightenment to be able to open up your minds as to how you are able to deal with things further and he gives the gospel as a source 
not just as a book read, but as a as a a, a message preached. And the focus of that message is Jesus Christ. And he also says, according to the revelation of the secret truth um, that the prophets brought. So he takes them right back and connects the Old Testament with the New Testament, showing the consistency of God, showing mm. the um, the faithfulness of God uh, to enable us to stand firm in faith in him, no matter what our trials are. and through the sources that God has provided for us, prophets, Jesus, good news about Jesus, the writings, and these things will be able to enable us to stand firm, but also will inform how to give glory to God and what it is to give glory to God. So it's not as if they don't have their trials. Is how do we address our trials uh, when we're feeling shaky in our faith? Paul is saying, worship God. Don't lose focus of that. There are ways in which God then will help you to stand firm in these trying times. Mm. I find it very interesting that he has to kind of sugarcoat the message because this specific community would have the, the information. I mean, this is like, what, 10, 15 years after Jesus died. Um, that information would have trickled through to them through the filter of a Roman autocracy <laughs> um, where it would be spoken in hushed tones, um, the, the actual revelations of the crucifixion would have been downplayed um, and it was dangerous to to proclaim this information as being truth. That's why he refers to it as the secret truth. Um, but like the the only problem I have, like I, I understand what what he's trying to achieve um, with with these prose, but the only problem I have is is this this line like he's able to make you stand firm in your faith. Like of course, like believing in God is standing firm in your faith like it's not like yeah. god is helping you be firm in your faith it's like you have to believe to to be firm not so but our but our our challenges can can make us defocus from worship mm -hmm. and let us give glory to god is a call to worship a call to praise and how easily we are defocused from that when the challenges stop and we we feeling we're feeling um, shaky. Mm. It is interesting that the, these texts and this letter, as much as all the others, were written alongside um, the history of the world happening mm. at that time. Now, you, you did say events around Jesus would have been downplayed because people didn't want that. So Paul was saying, hold it, your history has been written. Your, mm. The history of faith has been written. And it's, it, there's, there's a capturing of it in, in the context of gospel. It's, there's a capturing of your history in what God was doing through preaching, as well as written down by the prophets. Mm. Um, and it says the and is made known to all nations. So I was fascinated by, by this, this that you just said now, because I tuned into a YouTube um, presentation of, History in, in, in the 1492, 
Mm. And um, the question was being explored, what happened in Africa in 1492? And um, it was interesting when I looked at, you know, the normal thing that you find on, on YouTube is like and dislikes. Mm. There were people who liked the presentation and people who disliked the presentation. I heard for the first time, so I was fascinated because it was telling the story of people whose history has never been written. Mm. Or it's so obscure, none of us explore them because we're so paralyzed by Western history. Mm. Paul writes into this context to a people living in the diaspora and say to them, Let, lest you forget where your, your faith history starts. Uh, God's interaction with the with the world, where does it come in? How did the prophets address this? How did Jesus come in this? How does the good news address life in terms of how you were experiencing it? And lest you forget, you are called. And this is beautifully said by the introduction uh, of the New Zealand prayer book, where it says, worship of God is the highest um, activity of the human soul. When we forget to worship, can you imagine what state our souls may be in? And when our soul at the very core of our being um, has lost its strength, well, then how do we stand physically, mentally and otherwise? Mm. And so Paul is speaking very much mm. to the core of who we are as people of faith. So don't, don't let the history of the world steal the history of faith. Don't let the history of the world make you not see God at work in the world. And why would God need to make you stand firm in your faith? Because you have to be a living witness for God in the crisis that the world has to offer. And we know that um, the world and the nations have lots of things they've got to deal with. So I'm not sh I don't necessarily agree with you that it's being sugar-coated. It's reminding them. This is the, the, the challenge of being the Eucharistic people. We are pe people of memory, and we must not lose the memory of the faith, which encapsulates creation and history and life and death and suffering and justice. And all mm. those things, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of humanity, the kingdom of creation and the kingdom of the empire. So, so faith is very central to, mm. to, to all of, of that. And if we do not have a faith, then what will become of us? What, what then will be believed that will help us um, in trying times? So I think he's, he's empowering them. Mm. Re-educating them, stressing values they knew, and making sure that they haven't forgotten sources that and resources they can go back to. Mm. Uh, but don't lose focus of giving glory to God, no matter what the circumstances are. Mm. Okay, um, it's interesting. And you... I think, and I think yeah. he ties it up in verse twenty-seven. There he gives a doxology of praise to God, to the one, to the only God who alone 
who alone is all wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. So that's almost like a doxology uh, that he's giving there. The last word is exactly what he's been encouraging them to do. Let us give glory to God and he shows them how to do that. Hmm. It's interesting that you that you said um, uh, we are people of memory um, because I was uh, interviewing, well, I had a meeting with a potential new client um, this week, um, and this guy does artificial intelligence solutions. And one of his quotes um, that was that was quite profound, actually, is the first time I've actually had it explained like that, is that humans are very good forgetting machines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because... Yeah, like you'll do something now and like that's like having children. I, I have a friend who's just had a child now and um, we visited there. Um, we obviously had the risk explained on both sides and accepted on both sides. And um, we, we had a brief visit with him and he was like, yeah, you were right. I forgot how all of this goes. I was like, yeah, because if 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 you remembered how traumatic the first child was like the loss of sleep and all that things. You would not have another one. <laughs> yes. So it's yes. very important that that we forget these things so that we can <laughs> do the. But part, of, but part of memory is when we miss having that experience. Oh wow! That's why we have that. the second child. <laughs> uh, I I. No one misses the not sleeping and the having to <laughs> clean another human being's feces. Yes. On like a Your daily wife never forgets that hours. experience. Oh, she forgot. It was Wives when we had... never forget. They forget. They forget how painful childbirth is. They forget how their bodies changed. They forget how they felt during the pregnancy. That we are meant to forget. And computers don't forget. Computers can scan the internet for all of the information that we've put out there and computers never forget. That's why they are very that's, important. That's why we say the second child is the mistake. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> you're going to make me admit things here, Father. <laughs> <laughs> we thought about the second one. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, turning a, an eye to the gospel, which is according to Luke, and it's chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. There you have effectively a child who has been visited by an angel, being told that whatever she believes in her mind about how, firstly, humans are conceived, <laughs> is going to be upended. Like, let's just address that. Like, how, how, how did she even receive? You say, um, they say she was perplexed by his words. And it's like, you are challenging her very understanding of the basics of being a human being. Just unpack that first. Well, the first thing that I would like to say is, um, perplexed by his words and pondered on what sort of greeting this might be. When anybody comes to you and says, favored one, you yeah. already have a problem because that's not how we look at ourselves. And being a woman in a society where you're supposed to be second class and you really have no function, 
why would somebody call you favored one? Um, now, you know, that just dawned on me just how God breaks all the rules we humans have fashioned and formed. The powerful have created rules and regulations that have enslaved people. So mm -hmm. when certain language is spoken, people don't respond. Or people get afraid because they do not know what's the next thing. So coming and saying, even even showing the respect by by saying greetings itself <coughs> is something that must be very startling to somebody whose 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 who's formation at that age uh, had been. You must not reach beyond who you know that level of being a, a human person. You, mm. you are to maintain mm. that level of, 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 of humanity. And then, even more startling, as a second-class citizen, a woman uh, who was seen less than a dog is, the Lord is with you. Mm. You know, how is all of those three things he said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. How is that even possible for me, a 14-year-old who's been told that the bar only goes as high as this for me right through my life in this society, in this world? So God breaks all the rules. Um, God destroys it with language and presence. God didn't ask permission to speak to a woman. God comes to her and visits her um, through his messenger, the angel. And God doesn't send a nameless angel. God sends an angel that's, that's got special responsibilities. And, um, and this visitation is there. So I am... I am I understand a little bit of what she must have have felt when she heard these words being addressed to her. Um, mm. The focus of that whole greeting was on her. And so obviously she's astounded by it. Mm. Now it's 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 sort of um, going to be interesting and I, I, I you know I could use these words tomorrow at the greeting of the Eucharist and say, greetings, O favored ones, the Lord mm. is with you. You know, I still have to find out my humanitical methodology to use it like that. <laughs> but, you know, when we say the Lord be with you, it's sometimes so habitual. Mm. That's the problem with it. In fact, I was learning a principle, a biblical principle the other day from, from, from a rabbi where he said that when something is repeated in a text, it is to show the urgency of the matter. Mm. So when I say the Lord be with you, Lindsay, it's not out of habit I'm doing that. It's out of urgency that I'm doing that. That's a newfound way of reflecting on those words. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's, it's part of the celebration. Um, it's a freeing, it's a freeing uh, um, realization. Um, uh, of anybody's context, you feel 
down in your own world and mm. somebody says the Lord is with you. It's just mind-boggling. I think the, the important response is, is perplexion and pondering. Sometimes we're so perplexed we don't ponder. Mm. We need to get to the pondering part of it, of when we hear such gracious words being spoken from the heavens. Mm. Like I, I, I will, I will always return to um, the Hindu greeting um, Namaste, where it's like the spiritual power in me recognizes. Or what is it? The, the original Sanskrit phrase means I bow to you. <laughs> it's because the, the spiritual presence in me recognizes the spiritual presence in you. And it, it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's almost bringing equality, immediate equity to the relationship, but then also putting yourself lower than the other person. Um, and it, it's just a fascinating philosophy <laughs> like philosophical way of approaching a, a, a greeting to another person like I just wish more people would internalize that that kind of, of, of greeting where we also caught up in the way the world is supposed to work of like respect your elders no matter what and like when I was much younger when I was a teenager it would always irritate me when an older person would automatically expect some form of reverence from me. And it's like, but you're just the person like I am. <laughs> um, yeah. But more than that, you see, if the elders show the example, mm. the younger can follow. But if you are casting an expectation onto the younger who's not sure what he's supposed to do when he sees you coming on, Mm. Then you, what are you actually saying to that youngster? And then you deride that youngster simply because he either acts in ignorance mm. or mm. he's acting in arrogance now because we as the elders are not showing them the example. So mm. basically, it is my duty when I see you with a younger person to greet you, to acknowledge your presence, to honor you. And if I get a greeting back, praise the Lord. If I don't get a greeting back, that person still has, that person's probably per, per, perplexed and needs to ponder mm. in order to realize, you know, somebody acknowledged me and I just didn't respond. And then hopefully that happens. Uh, um, uh, so I think, you know, we, we, we living in a world according to the standards mm. that are being created. Whereas here God says to us with our language, we can change the world mm. Mm. through this message, through this powerful <coughs> pardon me, embrace of Mary. Look at what came out of her. Mm. Um, the Magnificat. She was the one that brought out, it's a very controversial song. Yeah. It takes yeah. on the powers that be, yet on her gentle lap. Lay that child who's with the, with the question of the hymn that says, Yeah, what child is this? Hmm. Laid on the lap of somebody who became so transformed 
and a voice for justice in the Magnificat. And so, all because she pondered deeply on what perplexed her. Yeah. So, so obviously, you assume that God is all-knowing, um, the all-wise, as Paul um, uh, referred to him as, and or or referred to. I'm sorry for for uh, <laughs> enforcing agenda on <laughs> on God. Sure. I, uh, but anyway, yes. Sorry about that. Um, so. What was Mary the first choice? Um, and what would have happened if she, she said no? I think God has a methodology of working with each of us. God, I think, knows our first response will generally be no. Our first response, if we look at Old Testament uh, um, narratives of call, mm. you know, um, it wasn't immediate uh, obedience. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. There was always the hesitation. Um, Jesus told a remarkable story of two sons who, was, who were asked to go and work in the fields mm. by their dad. The one said yes and didn't go. And the other said no and went. Um, what does such a story teach us about the question you're asking? Great people like, like, um, like Moses had to be stopped in his tracks um, when he said, but I stutter, I can't really do what you're asking me to do. God had a methodology. Mm. Um, Paul was as radical as he, as he gets, but the road of Damascus made him change his mind. So I think God knows our own original answer. Well, are you talking to me, Lord? I'm not sure that that, that is meant for me. So our first, so God works on that. God has a methodology. God doesn't give up the first time around. Mm. If he know, he knows our responses are going to be perfection. But hopefully, he can get us to ponder on what it is that he's saying to us. Mm. Okay. So I, I, I feel you on that. I, I still, yeah, I, I, I'm always perplexed at, at these stories where it's like, was there another woman that Gabriel went to? And she was like, nah, not my vibe. And then <laughs> Mary was maybe the second or third choice. Um, and how these stories would have been different then. And then Mary gets super practical and she's like, dude, I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? And the the explanation, the way John relates it is is absolutely magnificent. <laughs> the Most High will overshadow you, um, and like that line comes up in almost all of the interpretations of 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 this, and it's it's a very it's a very particular way of explaining what is going to happen, um, because it kind of speaks to the future as well, where her existence will always be overshadowed by the works of the child and that's something that she has to come to terms with like immediately there as a arrogant teenager um who's now on board with like cool we're going to challenge the way all of the society works by me a uh, lady getting this message um 
but then yeah the the overshadowing that that that's a big thing for for someone of of that age to kind of wrestle with yeah i you know i again i think that um whilst we're talking about our formation as human beings mm. our formative years and the things that help us to grow and become um we have restrictions mm. um virgins can't fall pregnant uh there has to be some other mechanism that is utilized yes um yeah. I, i would hope to god that many many boys and girls will be proud of their their innocence and their virginity uh it's become like a brand to be sold on the markets for many centuries and uh, people have boasted about there's something we can learn from mary you know she's she um at her age is still able to say i've maintained myself mm. um and this the kind of a discipline in her but i think <coughs> i think we are now de- dealing with the realm beyond what human minds can comprehend again god has a method how can this be the angel didn't have to go back to heaven and say wait let me just hear what god is saying <laughs> he comes he comes with how almost anticipating what the questions are so i think the beauty of this story is the conversation is how god helps mary deal with the it's a process hmm. you know it's almost itself you are impregnated by the idea the lord is with you but you don't know how to respond to that impregnation then you perplexed and you ponder and once um you you are told don't be afraid you have found favor with god this is all about god mary just mm. let go and let god have, have his way here with you and just trust god and then he gives uh, a narrative uh, of you conceive Uh, not un- un- unusual in your womb not unusual you will bear a son not unusual and you will name him all the things that you can comply with where she had the problem though was well i'm a virgin how yeah. can this all be yeah. right so with god who makes it possible for pregnancies to happen how uh, how else would he you know and i think the whole word overshadowing um I think it's a very interesting word. You know, it's amazing that through our time reflecting on these things in the podcast Lindsay, I've read I've had to reread scripture with focus on words I've never had to think about before. <laughs> Because you see, again, it's the the man in which I was school. That's why I'm so gracious for this pro, this process because it's making me think about things that I would not have have, have happened. So um so it's obviously a spiritual thing the spirit of god will come upon you the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the child shall be called holy and be called son of god so even when there is copulation between a couple mm. and the sperm enters into the uterus to find the egg all of that is still in my view as christian in the hands of the creator god 
Mm. Because they, it's not just one um, sperm uh, um, that is being ejaculated, but one sperm cell will be able to get into the into the egg. Mm. Not all the sperm cells will be able to do that. So all of that is clouded in mystery. So when you're talking about overshadow, um, it's like a cloud. You know, the Most High will overshadow you. Um, mm. uh, the presence of God will be in you in a way that God is always in you. Um, this time, working the work of conception to a child to be known. But we're talking about mystery yeah mm. and uh, and though we've had people who have come to us for baptism and have said uh, father um <coughs> i don't know how i got pregnant um because my boyfriend <laughs> i never had sex <laughs> and so you now hear people claiming that they've had um they've had um virgin births this is this is, I mean, Mary wasn't even near a man. Mm. So, so people do have problems with this because it's too much mystery to deal with at one stage. Yet, mm. God who formed the womb and the egg and and the sperm cells can't God make this happen without yeah. all the tools? God can do what God can do, and I think somewhere down here it says there, verse thirty-seven, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. For example, during this COVID time, I mentioned the story earlier, but I just recall it. Yeah. In a school, one of the principals who was a member of our congregation said, during the time when there was no school during lockdown, and when they came back, they had, they had, um, a real challenge because they suddenly saw things growing that were never growing yeah, in all yeah. the years of the school. Pomegranate trees where they were nothing. How is this all possible? When we have killed the earth, God still makes um, things happen without us. Mm. So why not through this process? And um, and then a, a a a a relative comes and confirms this. Um, she will come and visit, and she will confirm this in Mary what God has done. So yeah, we're dealing with mystery. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, this is one of those stories that I mean in my. In my own belief, it's it it I've I've made light of it and I've made all of the obvious jokes um, about like this is the one that was like the first and only time that excuse could ever be <laughs> said and all of that and I mean that 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 we've we've tread those waters already so like yeah I'll I I'll accept at face value because of the time that we're in. Like this, this, this is this real. So it, it, it was interesting for me to then stretch my mind beyond 
the obvious questions and just think about it like just from a from Mary's perspective. And like I, I love engaging with the Joseph side of this story because I think I don't think Joseph gets enough recognition for just the sheer amount of baggage he inherited. <laughs> Because if yeah. ever someone was emasculated um, without his knowing, <laughs> it was uh. in this story. And he like had to accept that and just live with it. So props to Joseph for, for, for doing it. Uh, but let, let's just talk something about um, he will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. With these words, it kind of seems like David was the original sin in terms of breaking the the covenant. And like I, I went back a little bit and just tried to trace other other moments when because David was supposed to be the chosen one and he was supposed to like do all those things. And then he was just a human being, and then they were like, okay, no, let's try this. But with not a human being, <laughs> am, am I am I just going off on a tangent, or, or am I hitting something here? Uh, I, I think I think it goes around the the question of the of the royal kingship. Mm. Um, remember, Saul was not chosen by God. Mm. Saul was what the people uh, wanted. They wanted a king, and Saul popped up through a process. But David was set apart. He was anointed the king. So that royal, the king, the kingly nature of, of, of this throne comes to the fore. Because look, part of the, the ancestry of David was not just glamorous mm. and royal. It was a broken humanity caught up in all of that. Yeah. So even David's kingship has to be restored in Jesus. We we see how David's sons Solomon and and all the others Abimelech all messed up along the way. Um, yeah, the kingship that God ordains for the people of Israel comes to be restored in the person of Jesus, mm. and. Um, they were begging for a king, mm. but they wouldn't. They they had no concept of what that kingliness would be, of what kind of king it would be, and so in the person of Jesus we had this. But then it shows us a connection here with God's thought about calling the people of Israel to be the covenant people, to be. Remember that in the covenant it says, "You will be my royal priesthood." Mm. and my holy nation. And so how was that going to happen if the kind of leadership was faulty? Mm. So in a way, it, for me, it ties itself up with that covenant and who but Jesus could really be the one who brings the, the fulfillment of mm. the covenant mm. to the fore again. So there's a consistency and an urgency 
uh, as it links itself with the old with the Old Testament. And though Luke is writing for um, an audience that was more the general population of the world, not, not focused on just Hebrew um, background people, the people who were, who were, who were Gentiles in terms of their, their thought, he then helps them to see the connection with the Hebrew story mm. uh, becoming real in Jesus. And again and again, one has learned, I have learned through this process of <coughs> interaction uh, with you and prayer, how, how the Old Testament and the New Testament has to work together. Mm. We, you know, even the terrible things that we read about that for us in what we would call a civilized world would not associate with God. Mm. God works through all of that to bring about this kingdom that will be a reign of peace forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, the only thing I, I, I don't like about it is it, it definitely limits um, the significance of Jesus to a certain group of people. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I don't like those walls that get set up around it. But I mean, Christianity on its own is limited um, by its nature to the believers. So like it, it, it just it, it just kind of speaks into that echo chamber. But but um. I'm not. I'm not a big fan. That's that's why I like like humanizing the Mary story for like to to kind of branch out of of this. Because yeah, like like we'll 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 obviously chat about it during the the Christmas um, podcast. Um, okay. But can I just yeah. say something in in Latin? What you're saying? Yeah. We have in our experience a man who emerges as a leader for our people in Mr. Mandela, mm. whose story is about, his story is about um, oppression and, 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 and yet this man goes through all of that and emerges, emerges as a stately person. Mm. And he's, his, his stature as a leader and the way that he speaks. I mean, for me, I no doubt believe he has had visitations by the angels in that little cell that, that where he was both perplexed and where he had to ponder. Mm. So, so when he comes out, he comes out not as somebody where you readily say, oh, there's an easy closer. He comes out as a leader, as a human person that the world embraces as a leader. Mm. Once we embrace him as a leader, we now begin to ask questions about him. What has made him like this? So he inevitably goes back into his history. Mm. I think that's what's happening with Jesus. Jesus is placed in a human context mm. for us to look back as where is all of this emerging from. 
So it's not something that just fell from the air. God's connected it to human history. Mm. We can go back, not only read the wealth of the of the of the of the of the the context for the people of Israel, but what does God intend to do for the whole world through this mechanism? Mm. And so for me, it places Jesus squarely into an historical context. And we can engage with that history. Hence, his significance grows. Because if we just focused on David, it would end. Mm. But so, so here again, the whole question of how important is ancestry in, in a world where um, there's so much fear to mix, to acknowledge each other, mm. and to be able to embrace one another. People have found great source of comfort and strength uh, reading the first chapter of Matthew, where it just deals with the genealogy of Jesus. For mm. many of us, that was even part of our theological studies. So talking about this and, you know, because we were spiritualizing Jesus. Mm. Here is given a 14-year-old mother whose experience of men is no. And yet by the power of God, that which is impossible becomes possible. Mm. And so we must, we work with the possible in collaboration with God, where our limits end with the possible, God extends into the humanly impossible. And so for us to, to even think that there's a salvation for, for, for mankind, for humankind, God makes it possible through Jesus Christ. God makes it possible for a kingdom where peace reigns through through our Lord Jesus Christ. God makes it possible for a young girl who have, has no voice in society to ask questions like, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And God, through the angel, entertains this by drawing him more, more and more into his narrative of transformation for the world, that eventually she's able, after she hears, nothing will be impossible with God. Here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. What moved her from a terrified, perplexed, pondering young lady to engaging a lady to said, here am I, the process of vocation to the place of here am I, the servant of the Lord. Jesus is born to one who is a servant or the servant of the Lord, whose life is dependent on according to the word of God. Mm. And, and that helps us to also understand a little bit about who Jesus became through the earthly experiences that he had in which Mary and and God collaborated. Okay, I'll allow it. 
And, <laughs> and on that point, Father, if you could extract a few brief um, points of reflection in the prayers of the church. So my brothers and sisters, on this, the fourth Sunday of Advent, our prayer is recognizing God as most high. And in the petitions that we have is that God will bring to birth the promise of his hope in the lives, in our lives of holiness and grace, and that God may give courage to his church to be servants of his will. In our prayers, we are called to proclaim the greatness of the Lord and to rejoice in God who is our Savior. To God Most High, we ask him to guide our leaders in the vision of justice and peace, ordering them to work for the common good of all people and to bring to light the signs of God's dawning kingdom. We also petition God, whom nothing is impossible, to hear the cries of all whose hearts ache at being childless, that God may bring into fruition our created love, creative love and longing to the Most High God, whose favor rests on the lowly and moves to bless our bodies, to restore within our frailty the image of his love, to give rest, refreshment and hope to all who seek God's healing grace. And particularly, we pray the prayer at the time of COVID-19 and with in mind families across our parish that have been infected, hospitalized, isolated, and also sadly who've lost members who have died as a result of COVID. Author of life, healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, especially when we learn of new variants of variants of the of the virus and its possible infection of younger people. Give us wisdom to find relief. Give us faith to be responsible and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. And to God most high, you announce salvation in the midst of our mortality. Remove our fear at the hour of our death and receive all those who have died to your eternal rest. Let us rejoice and sing of your enduring love. Whilst the 16 days of activism would have come to an end, let us continue the campaign, not just for 2020, the UNITE campaign. And so for this week, our focus is drawn from the world um, health, the world, world, um, in, uh, 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 world Health Organization, who are praying for girls and women affected by female genital mutilation. Please light a candle as we remember these girls and women. And our prayer is, Lord God, help families that practice FGM, that is female genital mutilation, See its damaging effects on girls and young women. Motivate families to turn away from damaging practices and protect 
their female children from all forms of harm, including FGM. As we pray, let us with Trevor Huddleston and our nation pray, God bless Africa, God our children, guide our leaders and give us peace for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. As we said earlier on, it is the time for um, dedication. And so this prayer will be prayed in the Eucharist tomorrow. You follow it on the live streaming, a prayer of self-dedication. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you. So guide our minds. So fill our imaginations. So control our worlds that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you. And then use us, we pray you, as you will. And always to your glory and the welfare of your people within your church and in the world. Through our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And then we bring this podcast to a conclusion as we ask that God give us grace on earth to love him more. The peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son Jesus Christ our Lord. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Wherever you go, Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, Amen.